1: It happens twice a year, like clockwork. Yes, pun intended. Daylight savings time comes roaring back to disrupt our sleep and send our lives into chaos. So why? And will
0: it go on forever? If you voted in last week's midterm elections, chances are you left your polling station with a small sticker that reads, I voted. But who gave those stickers out for the first time? Why do we give them out now? And what could the future of the I Voted sticker look like?
1: And finally, we'll revisit a segment from the Commute archives with a new update at the end. Wouldn't it be great if you could gamble and never lose? Well, Houston furniture mogul Jim Mattress Mac Macinvale may have just figured it out. All of that on this edition of Commute. Let's get it. Jay, a few weeks ago, something happened. And Jay, this is the rare event that happens to all of us at the same time. And it's also the even more rare event that all of us can kind of agree with each other that we don't really like. Any idea what I'm talking about?
0: Well, yeah, I mean, we do talk about our segments at the beginning, so I know that you're talking about daylight savings time. <laughs> you
1: see, that here's the that's the magic of podcasting, though, is you're supposed to pretend you don't know.
0: Oh, oh, no! Please tell me what's what are we talking about? Well, today? Jay, <laughs> I'm
1: talking about the fallback of daylight savings time. Jay, quickly, your thoughts on daylight savings time in general?
0: Uh, you know, I think I uh, Pretty much echo what everyone in America believes. I don't have a hot take on daylight savings time. Um, I'm falling right in line. It's annoying. And, uh, you know, it's the joke is that everybody's always like, oh man, it gets dark early now, doesn't it? But, like, I'm like that guy. You know, I'm saying that to everybody all the time.
1: It's like your first day back at work. You're like, you know what,
0: Jim? Dark when I leave the house (laughs) and dark when I get back. Yeah, it's like I think that joke's funny that we point out that people do that, like at work, but I also just do it.
1: Well, Jay, even if you don't think it should be abolished, most people do agree with you and I that it is annoying. Jay, twice a year we go to bed just a little bit stressed because we're counting on our smartphones to either jump ahead an hour or fall back an hour and keep us in line with the rest of the people in our lives. We show up to meetings at the wrong time. We miss breakfast. We miss church. We have our kids get up in the middle of the night. And overall, we struggle for the few days after the time change as our bodies try to make sense of the bizarre disruption. Jay, from an outside perspective, this mass changing of our clocks is kind of insane. To put it simply, it interrupts all of our lives at once. So we collectively groan. So today, my friend, we ask, Why do we do it? Well, there is a popular idea out there that none other than Benjamin Franklin himself started Daylight Savings Time. And Jay, it's basically half true. In 1784, Ben Franklin wrote a sarcastic letter to the editor of the Journal of Paris about waking up earlier than usual one morning and realizing that the sun was already up. Franklin felt that society had been wasting the day missing all this sunlight. Franklin, J. suggested that the government should use tax incentives to get people to wake up earlier, hoping that it would ultimately save money on the use of candles back in the late 1700s. But J. daylight savings time probably more accurately belongs to a guy named William Willett. You see, in 1907, old Bill Willett wrote a pamphlet titled The Waste of Daylight. That played into the actual decision, believe it or not. Willett was an early riser and a frequent golfer, which led him to propose two yearly time changes, one in the spring and one in the fall, to take advantage of the daylight. And Jay Willett's actual proposal was extremely complicated. It called for a series of 20-minute time changes stretching over a four-week period. Imagine (laughs) trying to keep up with that. (laughs) But Jay, while Willett never saw the time change happen during his lifetime, the UK did institute something called the Summertime Act in 1916 for the purpose of conserving coal for the war effort. And Jay, slowly the idea spread to where we are now. In 2022, it is estimated by Mental Floss that one-eighth of the world's population, or about one billion people, are faced with the two time changes each year. The spring one is used to extend the daylight hours in the evening and the fall one where we fall out of daylight savings time is used to extend the light in the morning. And as I said in the open, in America, we really don't love it. About 60% of Americans favor a permanent change to daylight savings time, meaning more light at night. But to be honest, there is no right answer. The benefits of the time change in the early days during the war were real including major reductions in the use of electricity. And increased light in the mornings, Jay, is also thought to be helpful for school kids who need to catch the bus. And there's even some data around crime to support both the spring ahead and the fall back, believe it or not, the rise and fall of crime, depending on the time of year. But regardless of how you feel about it, I think the downside of the fall, Jay, is kind of easy to see. Seasonal depression rises in the fall and winter with less light at night, And sometimes, like we joked in the open, we really do go to work in the dark and then return home in the dark. So, Jay, in the end, will we ever see this forced change go away? Maybe, but probably not. Recent bills have actually been debated in the U.S. Senate over a permanent change, but while we all agree we don't love doing it, we don't agree on whether we should be an hour ahead or an hour behind. And isn't that
0: just a perfect description of this beautiful country we call home in the U.S.? And a political party is really missing an opportunity here, though. I mean, if you're the political party in charge and you push this through and end uh, the the fallback, like, you'll be elected
1: forever. You would think that, though. So you go back to that 60% of Americans hate it. The other 40% don't want it to be a, a, a the daylight savings time in the spring. It's so like, for example, in Florida... It's light at night, really, all year.
0: So well, they don't you know, care. They'd 40% rather of have. people are entitled to their wrong opinion. That's fine. This is America. So, Dave, the midterm elections uh, in the United States of America were last week. And um, I'm assuming you went to vote, right? we did. talked about uh-huh. this. Okay. Uh, did you get one of the I Voted stickers at your polling place? I did. And it fell off before I even left the parking lot. Oh,
1: so I've got a real issue with it. Because then, so at work, I work with people who, we all work at the same place in person, but we're, we live in different states. Other states, much better voting stickers than ours. So like, for example, the Ohio voting sticker, extremely high quality. That sucker, I bet you, doesn't come off.
0: Yeah, I mean, you had no real tangible proof that you voted. Like, you couldn't really even show anything. Exactly. Anybody.
1: Yeah, the person who gave it to me is the only person who knows.
0: (laughs) Well, Dave, although it's pretty clear that there is power in the I Voted sticker, I mean, just pull up any social media page on an election day for proof of that and the countless photos that voters post with their stickers on. What is not really clear is how the famous stickers really came to be. So, Dave, to find the earliest mention of an I Voted sticker, we actually have to go all the way back to October 27th, 1950, in an article for the Miami Herald that made note of how efforts were being made to encourage local citizens to vote for a $6 million bond that would expand a local hospital. The article encourages businesses to give their employees time off to vote, but also goes on to mention that stickers reading, I have voted, would be given out at local polls to serve as a reminder for others to go cast their vote. Throughout the 1950s, 60s, and 70s, these sorts of reports became more common. According to Mental Floss in 1985, the Phoenix Board of Realtors organized the distribution of stickers that read, I Voted Today, throughout Phoenix and Maricopa Counties in Arizona because of a bond issue that would have allowed for the expansion of the freeway system, thus increasing property values in the area. The Board of Realtors hoped that the stickers would serve as a reminder for voters to increase voter turnout in that area. Today, Dave, you'd be more hard-pressed to find a precinct that doesn't give out the stickers than to find one that does. The stickers cost local governments an estimated one cent per sticker to produce and distribute, so ultimately local governments see it as an inexpensive but very effective way to increase their local voter turnout. Especially in our age of social media, the sticker can serve as sort of a social capital, a tangible piece of proof that a voter went to the polls, one that encourages or at least reminds others through social media to complete their civic duty. The stickers sort of take us back in time a little to a time when elections were more celebratory occasions where communities would gather together. Eric Liu, in a 2015 article for The Atlantic, for example, cites how local communities would throw parades and hold festivals and bonfires on election days to encourage turnout. Obviously, times have changed, and this can be attributed to a variety of factors, such as the fact that the television coverage has replaced live gatherings, the fact that the voting process still sort of remains inaccessible to many poor communities, and just in the increasing polarization in American politics, which has sort of dampened the mood around Election Day. Now, Dave, at the moment, there is no evidence that handing out stickers boosts voter turnout. But science has clearly proven that people think of themselves as part of a group. And naturally, what our peers do, it matters a lot. Stefano Della Vigna, a behavioral economist at the University of California, Berkeley, says it this way. Having some sense of signaling to others that you voted or encouragement from others to vote or maybe some shame if you didn't vote very naturally fits into the way we think people kind of approach a decision. And Dave, when we think of these stickers as sort of a timeless design, the I voted on a white background with a flag, some precincts around the country, like you just mentioned, have experimented with different sticker styles to really great success. According to Bloomberg, in New York City, in a campaign to encourage people to vote early... The first 300 people to show up at each of the 140 early polling sites last Monday received a limited edition Halloween sticker that featured a silhouette of a haunted house along the city skyline. And the city board of elections recorded one hundred and twenty seven thousand seven hundred and fifty six check ins across all five boroughs that day, far surpassing the totals for the previous two days of early voting. The Election Administration Commission held an I Voted sticker design contest in 2019, encouraging locals to submit designs that show off local flair, which was won by Tony Bernard of Louisiana, who submitted an I Voted sticker featuring the Louisiana state bird, the King George Pelican. Colorado held a similar contest the following year, crowning high schooler Matthew Hernandez the winner after he submitted a design that took inspiration from the state's mountain views and state flag. And Dave, this summer, a New York teenager submitted a design that went viral of an I voted sticker that featured a maniacal demon creature with bloodshot eyes that actually won the sticker design contest and took the internet by storm, inspiring memes and even a few tattoos. And the precinct, Dave, well, they leaned into it. Democratic commissioner Ashley Didis even showed up to the polls wearing a life-size costume of the creature to encourage young people to turn out and vote. She said, We talk so much about how we want to engage with young people, Didis told Bloomberg, and this is the perfect outlet for that. If we start with education at a young age, it's more likely to be something that they carry with them when they mature into voting age. And Dave, I think that says it all. The power of the I Voted sticker. Well, maybe there's some untapped potential there.
1: Yeah, and Jay, that sticker that you referenced was named by, also by Bloomberg as the coolest sticker of the year. And so, the only way I could describe it is you, you, you described it well. So, he's got a, uh, a purple pink face with bloodshot eyes, different <laughs> colored teeth. So, a lot of dental issues, gingivitis for sure. And he's got spider legs. And his hair is different <laughs> colors of spaghetti.
0: It looks like it took him maybe six minutes to draw. Which it's is a the complete thing about. nightmare.
1: <laughs> Like, if I was a kid, looking at this would have scared me. Kind of scares me now. <laughs> okay, Jay, th- there are scenes or memories in our lives that we think about fairly often. You know what I mean? Like, to borrow a phrase from one of my favorite movies, Pixar's Inside Out, these moments are called core memories. Some of them are huge like maybe the birth of your first child, your marriage, or a job promotion. Others are (laughs) kind of weird, like this one that I'm about to share. Jay, one of my core memories actually happened in a casino, believe it or not, which is really (laughs) funny on its own without any context, but it's especially funny if you know me because I don't like to gamble. I have a lot of friends that have actually been sucked into the allure of sports betting now that it's so easy to do on apps. Thankfully, they all keep it responsible, though, so they don't lose their homes. But I'm just not into it. I've never really liked to throw my money away. I can understand the thrill of it, though. I I mean, I do love fantasy football, but still. Anyway, my core memory, Jay, is that I went to a local mid-sized casino a few years ago to actually just eat at the buffet restaurant there with a friend, believe it or not. Well, while we were there, I happened to notice a sweet little old lady pull out a wad of cash and just feed the slot machine 20 after 20 after 20 like the machine had a hunger that could never be satisfied. (laughs) Jay, it made me physically ill to watch this little sweet lady throw her money away. And now she's become the sweet old face of gambling for me. It's a core memory, her doing that. But Jay, how about you? Do you, uh, you need a little gambling fix every now and again or not?
0: Nah? No, I don't gamble because I'm self-aware enough to know that I have an addictive personality and that if I were to do something that would give me a rush like gambling, that I would not do it in a healthy way.
1: Well, Jay, one big avenue for gambling is horse racing. And we just passed the most famous horse race of them all. The first leg of the famed triple crown, the Kentucky Derby. And Jay, the 2022 version of the Kentucky Derby was more than just a horse race where everyone wears bonnets and drinks mint juleps. It marked the latest public gambling opportunity for a man best known by his nickname, Mattress Mac. Jay, a man who has somehow figured out a way to beat the odds. A man whose strategy can best be explained this way. Heads, I win. Tails, I win. Jay, in case you or our audience has never heard of him, furniture mogul Jim Mattress Mac McInvale. Who owns a small chain of Houston, Texas based furniture stores named Gallery Furniture has made a name for himself through the years by placing clickbaitish, outlandish, headline grabbing wagers that, believe it or not, are not made in the hopes of achieving gambling glory. No, no, no. Instead, Mac places bets as a form of viral advertising with his bets serving as hedges against a big sales promotion in his stores. During major sporting events like the Kentucky Derby, the Super Bowl, the World Series, or the NCAA March Madness Basketball Tournament, Mac will place a humongous bet on one team, typically a team that's somewhat close to Houston if he can, and offer his customers a full refund on their furniture purchase if he wins. To better explain, Jay, let's look at this year's NCAA Men's March Madness Basketball Tournament. So Mac placed a $5.5 million bet on the Kansas Jayhawks to cut down the nets and ran a promotion in his stores that would refund all customers who spent $3,000 or more during a certain time period on select types of furniture and mattresses. And Jay, guess what? Kansas won the tournament this year. Customers lined up at the store the next day to collect their refunds, some for up to $40,000. I've always heard about his promotions on the news, but I never needed furniture until now. Robert Cruz, who now has a house full of new free furniture, <laughs> told Forbes When I heard the score, I said, Wow, this is cool. Jay, and it works. Mac has used this crazy promotional idea to help grow his business, one he started with his wife in 1981, to yearly sales of over $230 million. And Jay, even when he loses, Mac typically wins. Back to this year, Mac bet nearly $10 million across four betting boards and won $13.5 million when Kansas took the title. His stores sold a total of $12.9 million worth of furniture during the promotion. So after he refunded everyone during one of his big refund parties that he holds at his stores, he still made over $500,000 in profit. And Jay, the genius, obviously, behind what Matt calls his huckster promotions is that they really serve two purposes. They are part marketing gimmick and part massive business boom. Mac says it's not really the gambling, though, that brings folks in his store. No, what really brings them in, he says, is one word free. It's about the strongest word in the English language. Free, 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 Mac told Forbes. The opportunity that they might buy this and they might get it for free. And Jay, when it comes to things like the Kentucky Derby, Mac actually makes such large bets that he changes the odds for the entire board. So real gamblers hate him. His (laughs) promotions also are thought to bring in, get this, the equivalent of $4 million in advertising.
0: So he's taken what's thrilling about gambling in our brains, which is the chemical reaction that we get from it, and he's just totally imported that into his business, which is just like so many layers of genius.
1: And Jay Mattress Mac is added again. So here in 2022, we're about a week out from the Houston Astros, his beloved Houston Astros, he's from Houston, winning the World Series. Okay, so Mac put $10 million down on the Astros and got a record-breaking $75 million payout when they won the World Series. And as we said in the previous story, so when he makes these bets, he typically places multiple bets with different companies, equaling, e- equaling that total amount. So he, he placed two individually big bets with Caesars and Penn Entertainment okay, to total that $75 million payout. The people behind the scenes, okay, so the CEOs of Penn and Caesars, when they saw this bet come through from Mattress Mac, they at least had their antennas go up that we might be in trouble. So just listen to this. So this is from the Caesars CEO Tom Reeg from an earnings call with shareholders at the beginning of November 2022. I think most of you are aware we've got a fairly high-profile liability out there with the Astros, said Reig. So that will be a swing factor in whether or not our fourth quarter is actually positive. <laughs>
0: So he shifts <laughs> their earnings. Just one guy shifts
1: their earnings that much. And, and now, so keep in mind, because once again, remember, this is all part of a business plan for him. So for his part, he now has to pay back all of the customers who took advantage of this year's promotion. So those who spent $3,000 or more at his store get their purchase for free now that the Astros won. So, man, we should have gone in there and got some California King stuff, man.
0: Right in the face. And
1: just really let him have it. And that's it. Thanks for listening. Don't forget to rate, subscribe, and review Commute on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or your favorite podcast network. We're on social. Check us out on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. And you can always say what up at our website, commutethepodcast.com. Music for Commute is provided by my main man, Jason Salmons. For Jason and I'm Dave Robb. We'll see you next week. <laughs> 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 Music for...
0: <laughs> cut that. you almost dying in the middle of talking. You might have to cut it.